Uh, we are in our third week on um, this series we're calling Better Together. Uh, it's about regathering. Uh, as Clint uh, delightfully uh, put it uh, on the backside of COVID, uh, as we as a church uh, begin to, to reconnect, uh, to find ways uh, to serve together, uh, to worship together, to work together, um, to do community and life together, um, we want to talk about who we are as a church. And so we began uh, with our, our five core values, and we're on the third uh, of the five. And just to kind of remind you of where we came from, the first week was our grounding, uh, and, and we're using this plant or tree analogy throughout. And we are grounded uh, in Christ, and Christ is the soil uh, upon which we've, we've rooted uh, our personal lives, uh, but our corporate life as well as a church. And then last week we talked about discipleship. We talked about apprenticeship, if you recall. Uh, we talked about uh, being somebody who is shaped and formed and trained into the image of Christ and our church itself uh, participating in this act uh, and doing it together. And this week, uh, we continue, uh, and I actually see all of these kind of flowing one into the next, into the next. And, and this week, we're talking about mission, and uh, we're talking uh, about what it means to uh, do missions, or to be missional, or however you wish to put it. And, um, and here, the analogy continues, actually. So if there's the soil and that is being rooted in Christ, that's the first one. And, and then there's the, the training of the tree or the plant itself, and, and there's the taking care of it, and the watering it, and the fertilizing it, and all of that. Well, eventually that tree should produce some kind of fruit, right? There should be some seed that comes out of that tree, that uh, perhaps just like that light in the children's sermon that you can pass from one to the next to the next, well, that tree gets planted, or the, sorry, the, the, uh, the, the fruit or the seed gets planted as well in the soil of other people's hearts. And so today we talk about mission. We talk about what it means to be on mission. Uh, we talk about who we are as a church, uh, and we talk about doing all of this and uh, being better together. Uh, but let's begin with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Holy Father, we come this morning and we ask that you settle our hearts. We ask that you open us up. We ask this morning that you pierce through the thick skin that sometimes develops over our hearts and that blocks out the things that we don't want to hear and that you find your way in there once again. And Lord, that you continue to do the work that you desire to do within us, the work of redemption, the work of transforming us and changing us into the image of Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that our worship and our participation in this moment here be a transformative moment and that the Holy Spirit be at work in this place. Pray all of this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 
I want you to get an image in your mind of uh, an orchard. An orchard. Uh, our church, uh, many falls, most falls even, uh, will we'll go to an apple orchard. Uh, so maybe that's the one uh, you, you want to put into your mind. For me, it's a childhood memory uh, of, a, of my grandparents' home uh, in Pennsylvania. They had an apple orchard of their own. It wasn't enormous or anything, but it probably consisted of 15 apple trees. Had some peach trees and some pear trees as well. And, um, and so I, I want you to visualize this, this image of the orchard. And I want you to ask the question of yourself, uh, what is the mission of an orchard, right? It's a pretty simple one, really. Uh, you don't go to an orchard to visit the beautiful trees, uh, as beautiful as they may be. Uh, you go to an orchard because you want apples, right? And the mission of an apple orchard is to produce apples. This is what it's supposed to be doing. And uh, so uh, when my grandfather long ago, uh, who is now deceased, uh, when he planted those trees in the ground, he did not plant them in hopes that they would one day grow and, and be this uh, lovely uh, field of trees that he could walk through, though it served that purpose as well. He planted them in order to produce apples, right? I think... The connection between last week and discipleship and the way our church is training our members and our participants and our congregants connects and flows directly into the sort of fruit we produce as a church and as individuals. What we are talking about today, as I've said, is indeed missions, and I don't believe it's an optional piece of what it means to be a member of South Run. I believe it's central. I, I think being on mission is not just something you can choose to do or, or not do. It is either happening, or as Charles Spurgeon puts it, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter, which I find incredibly challenging. You're either a missionary or you're an imposter. Um, we'll talk about the fruit that gets produced in our own lives. And, and uh, Galatians 5 is, is our, one of our passages from today. And it says a lot about what that fruit should look like. And it's love and joy and peace and all the things. Um, but I want you to envision the orchard again. And this time, as you're walking through it, uh, I want you to picture it a little differently. As you look around the orchard and, and you go to pick that apple off the tree, you notice it's rotten, right? It's, it's not looking good. Or, or the ground is just filled with, with rotten apples and you can't find any good ones anywhere, right? Well, if, if this is what's happening you should ask a few questions. You should ask yourself, well, well, maybe there's something wrong with whoever is caring for this orchard. 
Whoever's taking care of it, whoever's training these, these trees and, and watering them uh, and fertilizing them and making sure that they're uh, healthy and have, maybe they're not doing quite the job they should do. Or, or maybe you'll look at the soil that they're in and you'll say, you'll do a soil sample uh, and you'll, you'll test and you'll see uh, maybe there's something wrong uh, with the root system uh, of this uh, orchard or, or this tree that is producing the fruit that it's producing. To pull all of these metaphors together from week one to week three, Our church has agreed that the person and the work of Jesus Christ should be our life source. It's the the soil, it's the rock bottom that we have put our roots into. It's the thing that shapes us most and it empowers us as a church and as a people. It's Christ's death and resurrection, the imitation of Christ's life that we engage in, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's these things that we root down deep into and we come back to again and again and again to find that nourishment. There are other things that can vie for our attention, things like elite educations, things like going to the gym and taking care of our bodies, Things like bank accounts and the party scene or whatever. These, these other things that we can try to root ourselves into. And sometimes they're good and, and frankly sometimes they're not. But none of them has the staying power of rooting ourselves into the person and the work of Jesus Christ. None of these can bring ultimate life. And so if there's certain rotten fruit that begins to get produced... It is worth asking, where are the roots located in your life? In what have I placed my hope? In what am I, am I putting my, my expectations? There's a guy uh, that I uh, have started to email with. His, his name is John. And John um, is uh, my replacement for True Green. True Green was not serving me well as a fertilizer of my lawn. So I reached out to a guy named uh, John. Uh, He has uh, a lovely service. And at the end of every email he sends me, he communicates with me a lot, actually. uh, And I I like him quite a bit. But at the end of every email, he has this little, uh, this quote, this, this tag, and it says this. It says, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the envi- environment in which it grows, not the flower. When a flower or a, a piece of fruit isn't acting right, what you should be asking is, what is happening a few steps below the surface, right? If there is rotten fruit in your life or in our life, that's just a sign that something's going wrong below the surface, whether in the discipleship of our own selves, the training of our own selves, or maybe it's where we have our roots located. We should be asking about our soil. 
We should be asking about the care of our own souls. One of today's passages, uh, as I've said, is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's a, a famous one. We've said it before from up here. You've heard it many times, but frankly, it's, it's one of these that I hang on to uh, and I come back to time and time again because it keeps delivering. Galatians 5, 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit, right? So if you have your, your, your uh, roots planted in the soil of Jesus and you're being trained and cultivated the way you should, then the fruit that should come out of that kind of life and that kind of church is this. This is what Paul says. The fruit should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm pausing a little between each of these because I I think this is an opportunity for a bit of a self-analysis or maybe an assessment of what sorts of fruit your life is producing. What is our collective life producing? Is it fruit that looks like this? Can you honestly say that the fruit of your life is producing joy? That it's producing gentleness? The fruit of your life is producing self-control? And if, if you say no, well, then it's worth asking, well, What's wrong underneath? In what way has the, the training and the care of my own soul been, has, has it gone astray? Or, or in what ways have the roots been put into soil that is not creating the fruit that it should? Um. It's not part of what we read for this morning. This is the passage we read for this morning. But just before it, in Galatians 5, Paul does list other fruit as well. He lists some of the rotten fruit, actually. This is where he starts. And I'll go ahead and read this, too. It's worth reflecting on this as well and maybe challenging yourself and asking is, this, is some of this fruit coming out of my life? Is some of this fruit coming out of even our church's life? And it starts this way, and I'm still in Galatians 5, but now in verse 19. And he says, he calls it the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. He could call it the fruit of, of the flesh. They are evident, he says. And this list by no means is meant to be exhaustive. He's just giving you some examples here. And he starts with three uh, sexual sins. And he says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And we could pause and we could say, is my life producing this kind of rotten fruit? And if it is, what's going wrong underneath? That needs an adjustment. 
And he goes on in verse 20, he, he talks about idolatry and sorcery and the idea that we might be putting some kind of God in place of God or trusting in some power that is not God's power, that is a false version of the power that God has to offer us. And then he says, enmity and strife. These two are part of the rotten fruit. It's worth asking, is, is your life producing some kind of enmity, which is a fancy word for, for hatred? Do you find yourself bubbling up sometimes with, with actual hatred? Is that the fruit that's being produced in your life? And if so... What's going wrong in the care of your soul and in the rooting in the soil that needs to be fixed? Strife. Are you constantly at odds with somebody else? Jealousy, he mentions. Jealousy. Do you look at others and and you wish you had what they had? Fits of anger is the next one. Fits of anger. Are you prone to fits of anger? He's not here, but my five-year-old is, and that's one thing. If a five-year-old is prone to fits of anger, if he's still doing that when he's 35, then we have a real problem, right? Are you at 35 or 55 or 75 prone to fits of anger? And if so, what is it in the care of your soul or in the rooting of uh, the roots, the ground that you're rooted in, that has gone wrong? He talks about rivalries, dissensions, divisions, the way we create a culture that is not united but is divided. Is this a problem? He talks about envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and things like these. Things you don't really talk about from the pulpit. <laughs> these are just examples, he says. Things like these. What sorts of fruit is your life producing? Because if we're planted in the soil of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of our lives should look like Galatians 5, 22 to 23, not Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Does that make sense? And it should look like this increasingly over time. I'm not anticipating that you are the perfect person who embodies all of the love and all of the joy and all of the peace and the patience and the kindness. Frankly, it's why we continue to come to church, because we need it. We need to continue to be shaped into the image of Christ. We need one another to uh, uh, sharpen our iron, iron sharpening iron, right? This is what we need. Coming to missions now, you might be wondering uh, what all of this has to do with missions, and I would say everything. This has everything to do with missions, because 
Well, I think there's two ways to think about missions, and I actually think they're both equally important. There is doing, and there is being. But I want to start with the being, because that gets us at the root of it all, the core of it all. We have to be certain kinds of people. We have to be shaped into a certain kind of image. And we've been given the exact sort of fruit we should be naturally producing. And the fruit tells us everything we need to know about what's going on at that deeper level. Whatever fruit you're producing tells you exactly the state of your soul. And so you have to be a certain kind of person. And if you walk into the world as that kind of person, the person who produces love just because that is the person you are, and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, if that's who you are in this world, I assure you, that in and of itself is a mission. You are the mission field at that point. In your very being, you're the mission field. But there is the doing piece as well. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable for some of us. Because at some point, you have to move from just being something to doing something. You have to lean in. And when the opportunity is right, and that person says, why, how can you be so joyful despite all of the despair that exists in this world? That's the time to lean in and explain to them the source of your joy. And this is where it might get uncomfortable. I, I promise, though, with enough practice, you'll get used to it. In fact, you might even begin to enjoy it. But it has to come out of a certain kind of being. I was saying uh, in Sunday school this morning uh, to my table that I was seated at, we had uh, a lovely discussion, uh, and um, <laughs> the table behind us apparently was, was saying something of the same thing, which is uh, that people are watching you one way or another, and if they know you're a Christian, then they're watching both the good and the bad, Right? And so the, the whole being part and, uh, it becomes really important in this moment. Uh, this is especially true of me, as I told my table, uh, a professional Christian. <laughs> People uh, look to me, and, and if I'm misbehaving in some fashion, maybe I'm, I'm lashing out in a fit of anger, uh, or, or maybe uh, my, my jealousy is, is, is you know, in my eyes or something and people can tell or whatever it might be. I, I, I'm acting out. People, are, people can see that, right? And they'll know, oh my goodness, that guy, oh, he says he's a Christian. His, his being doesn't match up with his, his doing. And I mean, we should all, of course, try to live uh, authentic lives full of the Holy Spirit, always producing uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But we are all human, and we do all fail at some point as well. Nevertheless, the point is this. It's a whole lot easier 
when you get to the doing piece of missions, when you get to the point of saying to somebody, yes, you should follow Jesus Christ, and they say, why? And you say, well, because it produces the fruit of the Spirit and love and joy and peace and all those. And then they say to you, well, I don't see that in you. <laughs> they wouldn't say it out loud, right? But they might be thinking it. And so here, the being and the doing, they really do go hand in hand. It's hard to sell something that you don't believe in or that hasn't really changed your life. But boy, if it has changed your life and you are a different person because of it, you're going to want to go out and tell everybody. And you're going to want to go out and just like that light that shouldn't be hid under the bushel, you're going to want to show everybody what that light looks like. We have a mission statement here at South Run, an actual mission statement, like it's, it's on our website and and it goes like this, we are committed to reaching all people so that they may know, believe, and understand the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. That they may know the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. It's really hard to reach people with a message that Jesus is life-changing if your life doesn't reflect that it has been changed. It's just that simple. I want to conclude by asking maybe the question that I should have asked up front, um, which is, what's the mission? <laughs> what, is, what is the mission, right? And I want to give you two answers that I believe are the same answer and they're both somewhat simple. Matthew 28, the other passage for today, reads this way. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you, even to the end of the age." Go and make disciples and baptize them. Go and make disciples. This is what we talked about last week, the discipleship piece. Go and make more apprentices of Jesus Christ to, meet, to be made like him, to be taught by him, and to be utterly changed by him, to be a completely different person because of him to trade the cares of this world that are natural but fleeting for the eternal cares of God that are supernatural. We are to make disciples and we are to baptize them. And I think the baptism part of this is to remind us, it's to remind us of our own death to self the mortality to that sinful nature that we are to be resurrected as new selves, producing not that fruit, the rotten fruit of the flesh, but producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, 
the second answer I would give then to this question, what's the mission, is much like it. The mission, I believe, and I mean this with as deep sincerity as I can give you, is, is really super simple. The redemption of the world is what God has been doing since the world had fallen. When the world falls, when this creation that God makes so beautiful and perfect falls, God is in the process over time of fixing and redeeming that creation. And that involves you and me and everybody around you, every person you've ever met. I actually believe it even involves uh, the redemption of, uh, of the physical creation itself. It's the redemption of everything. God is the ultimate Chip and Joanna Gaines fixer-upper, right? He's taking this thing that is broken and torn down, and he's making it new again. And this is the mission that, that you and I are invited into. And we should be both products of the mission, which is to say we are redeemed and made new, and we're inviting other people into that renewal as well, into that redemption that they too may be redeemed. I'll conclude, as I do with all of these so far, which is to read what our uh, statement is on missions. This is what we say. We at South Run Baptist Church have a passion for missions. We believe that the mission field is a part of our daily lives, our homes, our backyards, the neighborhoods that surround us, and our schools and workplaces. We trust that the fruit of the Spirit cultivated in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will be brimming with seeds that the Spirit will plant into the lives of others. As we live in Christ together, those seeds will bear new fruit and continue the spiritual life cycle. But the mission is not only local, it is regional, it is national, it's international. And as a body, we seek to do our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come this morning. God, we, be, we desire to be people changed and redeemed by you. Our redemption, however, is not for us only. It is not in some way self-serving, but it's always toward the redemption of the world. We are invited into your family. We are invited into the redemption process that we might go out and invite others into, that they might understand the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. God, I pray, I pray that we be those kinds of people, the kinds of people who are indeed changed and the kinds of people who are going out, finding others who need to be changed as well.
We thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen.